Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Steelers fans? This is Brian Yara from Steelers on 24-7 Sports, giving you our Independence Day broadcast. I am joined today by Carmen Giardo. You've probably seen him uh, every now and then on our Facebook Live. We're going to be doing a Steeler rundown, and we'll also uh, get into some uh, Penguins and, Pen- and, and Pirates talk. Uh, the offseason moves quickly in hockey, so the Penguins have already made several moves. Free agency started on Saturday. And the Pirates, we've got some news with Andrew McCutcheon, and uh, Pirates currently six games back out of first place in all Central. We'll talk about their chances, if they have any chances, at winning uh, the Central. So, uh, first of all, Carmen, let, let's dig into the Steelers. Uh, they got about three, three and a half weeks until training camp. Uh, just, just your gut feeling on how you think the Steelers are going to do this season. You know, every year they've, they've gotten one game closer to the Super Bowl. Uh, just, just, you know, just your hunch on how well you think they're going to do this season. Well, I think it's like a lot of seasons, a lot depends on, uh, first of all, their health, and especially can they keep Ben healthy, and also, you know, um, their running back healthy, whether it be Bell or whoever they've had in the past that have had issues just with their health. I think it'll be interesting just, just to see, you know, obviously how the offense comes back together, the tight ends, the wide receivers, uh you know, how Brian comes back, how – I'm actually interested to see if they, you know, rotate Belsom and don't run him into the ground. I mean, I, I think they should have the approach of the long game. I think if you look at the Penguins, I mean, hockey's a little different because so many teams make the playoffs, but they seem to have the bigger picture in mind and they don't worry so much they they view it as long as they get in and they're healthy and they have the right pieces in play, they can win. I think in the past, the Steelers have pressed to getting that division win or worrying too much about their positioning and risking injury. So that would be interesting. And then obviously on the other side of the ball, you know, as their defense continue to develop, the secondary, um, and then, you know, as evidence this last weekend, can they – stay out of trouble off the field, right? Um, that has been a non-trivial issue for them lately, and, you know, that's that's going to be key, I think, is that whole locker room and keeping the team together and getting, keeping the focus on the on-the-field activities and not getting sidetracked with other things. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, and, and, and that kind of segues into what I wanted to talk to you about is Le'Veon Bell's contract. I said on Facebook Live last week that, the Steelers should just they should just get him that deal if they want to get him that deal. And I think I hate saying it, and I know that in any business you don't make decisions based on what what's going to happen on you know on the reaction on the outside. But I think one of the biggest reasons why you would give him a new deal is just that you would eliminate all the drama and all the media stuff that would be created by me people. Just you know, just the media outside. You know, anytime he doesn't get enough carries or anytime if he does get injury, that that's going to be a storyline, a narrative the entire season. Do, do you agree with that? I mean, I know, again, you don't want to make decisions based on what you're, you know, the outside noise, but to me, you can't ignore that that would be a distraction going into the season if they didn't sign Bell. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe to an extent, but I also think at the professional level, you should be able to handle a situation where the guy's going to be paid a substantial amount, whether they give him a contract or not, beyond, 
you know, what he would get from a, a franchise one-year kind of deal, and they should be able to handle that. And, you know, I I understand maybe, you know, giving him something. But to be honest, I, I mean, it's hard to say given his injury situation and other things, how much money you really want to invest in running back, you know, beyond a couple of years, especially when – you're not really sure. This team is really in win-now mode with Ben's situation. So, yeah, you, you need to focus on the next few years, but I don't know how much money you can throw at them beyond that. They they obviously have with, with Brown, um, but then again, Brown is sort of produced in a way that Bell has yet to, I think, over a longer period of time. I agree, and I, I think the main thing when you – besides – the production over more time. I think the biggest thing that you look at with Brown, yes, he had the Facebook Live snafu, but he hasn't missed any games due to suspensions. I think when you when you look at Bell, I mean, it, that's one of the reasons why they signed, uh, you know, D'Angelo in the first place, right? Or, you know, one of them, obviously, LeGarrette Blunt, all that stuff. But, like, you know, he had to play when Le'Veon had the three-game suspension, 15, had to play the first two games of the 16th season. I mean, I mean, D'Angelo started, I think, what, 10 games over a two-year span. Pittsburgh went 7-3 and three in those games. So I think that's the other thing. I think there's, there's the injuries and obviously that. But, but I guess to me, uh, you're right. You, you can't make decisions based on the noise that you're going to hear from the outside. You're a professional franchise. You have to get it done. Uh, a couple of other things to talk about in terms of contracts. The Steelers have two other ones pending. They might want to try to get done before the July 17th deadline. Stephon Tuitt. Uh, and Al Hunter Villanueva. I don't think Tuitt's going to get done. I, he's already come out and said he's he's not that worried about it. Uh, so he's kind of he has a good attitude about it. Villanueva is one that I think I think they got to get done. I, I think if you had to rank these one, two, and three, uh, I think Villanueva is one, uh, Bell's two, and, and Tuitt's three. Again, I don't think Tuitt is worried at all. He'll, he'll be a free agent at the end of next year. He doesn't seem stressed about playing one more year under his rookie deal. But to me, I, I think you got to get Villanueva done. Uh, 29 years old, uh, he started started starting midway through the 15th season. He's been a part of a Pittsburgh offensive line that obviously you know what they've done with, with Bell in the running game. But also, uh, Ben was only sacked 17 times last year. Uh, would you agree with that alignment in terms of where I have you know ranked the most important guys to try to get signed in the next 14 days? Well, I think the Villanueva deal just on the surface just sort of smacks of being – unjust, right? I mean, you look at what mm-hmm. the guy's making, you look at what the salaries are for for starting uh, offensive tackles, and I mean, I understand that the Steelers are within their rights to pay him basically what's a meager amount, but it just doesn't seem to sit well. I mean, I don't think it sits well with the fans, uh, and it kind of goes culture against kind of the you know, the image the Steelers have on on how they treat their players and, and then, you know, just know all their employees. And and so I think that's kind of a, just a mark against the franchise right now that, that, yeah, they can take advantage of him, but, I mean, the guy's a veteran and it just seems like, you know, they need to do something to 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 – address that I think more than anything else because I, I do think unlike the Bell situation where the guy's going to make what $12 million either way you've got a right. guy who's making what six seven hundred thousand dollars as it stands which mm-hmm. is just 
is anywhere just isn't right. So I agree with you that I think that that needs to be addressed. Now he will make, assuming he does the same thing this year he did last year, he will get a, a player performance bonus. I think that put him well over a million dollars last year. But again, you've got to earn that money. That doesn't protect him against injuries or anything like that. So, and I, you know, I, I think if there's if there's one thing, I think maybe the Steelers want to see another year from him because he still is a relatively very young player. The upside on him is still big. He showed some of it last year. Um, obviously, I wouldn't say he's one of the weaker links of the offensive line, but I think he still has shown need for a little bit of need for improvement. But again, someone that's that's you know in his second or hasn't even played two full seasons at left tackle position, they didn't even play in college. I, I would think it's suffice to say that he's done a, a spectacular job, uh, you know, catching up the speed. And, and Mike Munchak, arguably, well, I wouldn't even say arguably, he's the best offensive line coach in the NFL. Had a brief stint as a coach with the Titans. Loves his work ethic, and the team loves him. So I think that is one thing that they should get done. Uh, continue to talk about the Steelers. Uh, I, I think that, you know, one thing that uh, people want to see, uh, you know, are excited about, quite honestly, is the offense. I think this could be the best offense the Steelers have ever had. Um, you know, you look at, you know, 1979, they led the league in scoring. That was a great offense. Uh, you look at some of the ones they had uh, in the earlier 2000, well, I don't know, even – more recently, they've had some good offenses with Ben, but I think this is by far the best offense they've had with Ben. Uh, what do you think is going to, you know, is going to be the strength of this team? Do you think it's going to be the passing game? Do you think it's going to be with, uh, you know, with uh, Mortavis Bryant and Antonio Brown, uh, Smith Schuster, Bell? Where do you see this offense going? Because you know, I think in '15 it was more of a pass-happy attack. Last year it was more of the running game. I think this year it's going to be 60-40 pass run. Uh, what do you think that the dynamic might be with the offense? And do you agree that this might be the best offense the Steelers have ever had? Well, I think we've been saying for quite a few years, you know, right, if they could just get all the pieces healthy between the passing, you know, the wide receivers, Ben and, and Bell, that they would essentially be an unbeatable. And yet that doesn't necessarily come to fruition. I, I think, I think, you know, they need to show they can consistently be productive and scoring points. I mean, there were times, I think, when last year they didn't play very well offensively, right? In fact, they, they had a stretch of their, they were pretty miserable, uh, you know, one point in the season. And so I, I agree that in theory that that makes sense. I think they need to put that into practice and really show that they can operate at that level and, and really, you know, put you know, put defenses and put teams uh, at a disadvantage in terms of trying to prepare for them, um, and take some of that pressure, a little bit of that pressure off their off of their own defense in terms of you know controlling games more. So, I guess I need to be convinced that that's going to happen. I, I do think all the pieces are certainly there, um, but. You know, they need to they need to demonstrate that they can be consistent. And there were times last year when, you know, this this team was far from reaching their potential what they could have been doing on the field. Now, of course, all the injuries in the wide receivers played into that. So, yeah, I can't actually remember probably going back to the maybe the seventy nine, you know, the seventy late seventies teams when they had every position, you know, essentially. Uh, at least at this all pro type caliber uh, talent. So there's no doubt about that. 
We, I, especially the wide receiver position. You've got Demarcus Ayers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Bryant, Brown, Eli Rogers, Sammy Coates. I mean, it's Kobe Hamilton. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, so, I mean, Kobe, I think, was fourth on the team in receptions last year, fourth or fifth. He, he's going to be on the practice squad this year, most likely. Um, I would guess right now it's going to be Brown, Bryant, Smith-Schuster, Either the three or the four. I don't know if Schuster will be the, the three by the start of the year. He's a rookie, and I don't think fans should panic if that is the case. Um, and I think Eli Rogers, just based on last year, you know, his merits from last year, he'll, I would give him the nod over Coates and Ayers coming in, but that could change. I really think that could. I think Coates is the odd man out. I, I think he has shown he can do great things, but his hands are still a question mark, and just his consistency in general. And I think Ayers, Ayers needs to show the development to be a deep ball threat. He, he's great, you know, uh, you know, in underneath routes, but he's got to show that he can do some of the things that Coach did. But overall, uh, that receiver position is going to be great. And also at the tight end position, I think it shows people uh, that the team does have a lot of faith in Jesse James when they didn't draft a, a wide receiver. Now they, or I'm sorry, a tight end. Now they did, you know, bring in the kid from Pitt as an unsigned free agent, who I would say is going to make the team or will make the practice squad and get a chance to play at some point. The one question I honestly have about the offense uh, is, you know, just an unproven running back behind Le'Veon at the NFL level. I know they brought in James Conner. We don't know what he can do at the NFL level, and there is obviously going to be a learning curve with him as a rookie. But the one thing I liked with, with, with D'Angelo Williams is that you had a proven guy that could get it done. Uh, obviously wasn't, wasn't in his prime. It wasn't too far removed from his prime when he was healthy for the Steelers when Bell was gone. Uh, you obviously, you're a pit alum. You follow pit a lot. Can you help me feel better about James Conner? I mean, what do you think the learning curve is going to be for him? Obviously, with, with rookies, the learning curve with running backs isn't as steep as other positions. But what do you think that is a realistic expectation for Conner in year one? Well, I mean, I think Conner, the advantage he had is he came from an offense that was very diverse. He caught the ball a lot. Um, I think, obviously, you know, the Conner of his – junior year, which you started to see him get back into that a little bit when he was later in his senior year around the Clemson game, you know, was a guy who was a Heisman Trophy candidate. Now, you didn't get to see as much out of him at the uh, um, combine and think, well, not the combine, but the workouts that they, they recently had because he pulled his hamstring, so... I mean, if he can stay healthy, I I think he can certainly be uh, effective as a backup. I agree with you that it may not hurt to have someone else available. I mean, I almost look at what the Penguins did with their goaltending situation where they have, obviously, a a championship-caliber goaltender in Murray. They have a guy of the future in Jari, and then – they said, well, we're going to pick up a veteran just to have as a backup, someone we know has done it at the NHL level, just to have a little buffer there. And I'm not sure that I I don't disagree that maybe having a Williams-type player available wouldn't be a bad idea just, just to make sure uh, in that transition. But you don't know what might happen as they get to training camp and, you know, run, there will be running backs available if they feel like they get into, you know, the last few preseason games and they feel like they need a little more support in that area. So I do think that's something to watch. Um, as, yeah, a lot of times the preseason isn't that exciting. In this case, 
I think it will be interesting, especially to see the running backs and Connor. I expect to get a lot of work in preseason and see how that develops. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and, I, and you, hey, D'Angelo is still unsigned. So, you know, there, there's nothing right, stopping I the saw, team from at some point. Right. So there, there's nothing stopping the team from signing him again. And, you know, but I, I think the thing for, for D'Angelo was, I mean, he just – it was the age and the fact that they needed versatility. They needed guys at other positions. You know, Toussaint, <laughs> they don't have much faith in him as a running back, but he's good on special teams. He's, he's just a, he's a good, solid guy you want on your 53 yeah, you know, you look at uh, some of the other guys they have. Obviously, Connor Younger um, is, was very, very productive at Pitt. You know, the ACC's all-time, you know, uh, champion in terms of rushing touchdowns. He had, I think, over 50 there. So I, I just think, in general, when you, when you look at each running back they have on the roster, and then Niall Davis is, is a, you know, phenomenal special teams guy. I think he had a kickoff return for a score against the Steelers during his career with, in, in Kansas City. So you know, it's not just the running backs they have, their ability to run the ball, it's the special teams things. That's the thing with, you know, every NFL team, you know, they may not have spectacular position players, but you need guys to fill special team slots. Uh, case in point, Darius Hayward Bay, you know, 30-year-old receiver, do the Steelers really need him? No, but A, he does have a good rapport with Ben. He still is a, a deep ball threat, but most importantly, he's a very good special teamer. So, but with that, again, this is Carmen. My name is Brian. This is the Steelers of 24-7. Uh, Independence Day podcast here. Hopefully you're listening to this, growing out some dogs or brats or whatever you're doing on the 4th of July. Hopefully the weather's good wherever you are. Uh, and, and hopefully we're in the background making the experience better for you talking to the football. We'll get to the pens and, and pirates a little bit later. Wanted to talk about the other side of the ball with the Steelers. Um, I, I think the defensive line is as good, uh, maybe not as good as it was in, in the late 2000s, but it has potential to be with Cameron Hayward, uh, Javon Hargrave and Stephon Tuitt, those three, uh, yeah, they're not Casey Hampton and, and, you know, Kiesel and Aaron Smith just yet, but, I mean, those are all three guys that, that have Pro Bowl qualities in them. And I, I would argue that Ned Bouchette said it, you know, before Hayward's injury that he was the most impactful Steeler defender before his injury last season that caused him to miss the second half of the year. Behind him, you've got, you know, T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, who uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN said that, that he is going to lead the Steelers in sacks next year. He would say – he estimates that Dupree will get 10 and he was really on a tear near the end of, of the, the 16 season he had the pectoral injury that uh caused him to go on the IR after getting surgery last September and then obviously Watt the number one pick Arthur Motes and, and uh and then obviously the inside linebacker no Timmons but but you've got uh Vince Williams I think that's going to be a big adjustment I think that the Steelers uh you know with Shazier I think he'll be more of the quarterback of the defense but that, to me, that position there, that worries me. I know Matejkovic, they like him. He's a spunky kid that was a seventh-round pick a year ago at a Temple. But, but to me, that's something that could be scary. Uh, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts initially when the Steelers lost Timmons? Uh, it's funny to me. It seems like fans just forget the criticism of a player as soon as he leaves. When a play, when an older player is here, sometimes it's like they hate the guy, and then as soon as he leaves, <laughs> then they forget all the criticism. I mean, what? Me personally, I'm not that worried about it initially because to me, the things that Vince Williams showed me on special teams and in limited play when he, you know, replaced uh, Shazier when he was getting injured during the season last couple of years, he showed me a lot. And I, I think the Steelers wouldn't have let Timmons walk if they didn't have faith in these guys. Um, I don't think the Timmons loss is as bad as some people think. What say you? No, I don't think it is either. I also don't don't think the determination at the end of next year of the success of the team, you'll be looking at that much of the linebacker position, right? I think you'll be looking at 
how well the offense did live up to its potential and, you know, was the defensive line, along with the secondary, able to control their team's passing games, um, especially if they end up having to play, you know, a team – if they end up having to play the Patriots again in the playoffs. I don't think – I don't think we'll necessarily be looking at – the one player, you know, in terms of an inside linebacker making the difference between, um, you know, winning a championship and not winning a championship. Even the Steelers in the 70s, in some of their championship games and Super Bowls, ended up playing with second-team linebackers that people may not be aware of uh, in some of their big games where they had some injuries. I, I think there were games when, if I'm not mistaken, Ham and Lambert were both injured and they still ended up winning championships. So I don't – I agree with you. I think there's enough depth there. And, again, given the makeup of this team, if they're really in low-scoring kind of games where they need those kind of plays by their defense to win, then that probably means they're not getting the production that we expect out of their offense to begin with. So – you know, they have a little bit of latitude there just because um, I think they have the opportunity to put a lot of points on the board and keep other teams kind of playing in a catch-up mode. And if teams are playing in a catch-up mode, they're probably going to be throwing the ball more and and having to score more than they would be if you had the kind of offense that was going to play a lot of 2017-23-20 kind of games. So, so I think you have to look at the entire team and the dynamic there. And given that, I don't think losing Timmons is is a deal breaker and how they're going to do. Right. And I, I think the funny thing is um, it's fans kind of forget, you know, one game against New England, albeit they have reasons to be critical, but one game just kind of wipes away all the facts. And the facts are the second half of the year with, with Dupree back and healthy Pittsburgh and Harrison kind of, you know, picking picking things up. He had a, a slow start to last year. Um, the Steelers, you know, went from you know near the bottom of the league in you know in sacks to the best team, number one in sacks, the second half of the the 16 season. You know, uh, held the Chiefs and the Dolphins to single digits in their playoff victories going into the New England game. Uh, you know, the last two years Pittsburgh's been you know top 10 in scoring scoring defense the last two seasons. Well, 11 and 15 and 10 last year. They're averaging about. 19.9 points per game allowed in 15, 20.2, and 16, even though they went up in terms of NFL rankings and points per game allowed. So really, I mean, they're about top 10 in the league in scoring defense, 20 points per game. In today's NFL, as you said, the offense should be you – know, this offense should score enough points to win most of these games. Uh, again, if you're only allowing – if you told me, hey, Steelers defense, again, is going to average about 20 points per game, I like Pittsburgh's chances of winning. The last two years – uh, the Steelers' offense has actually been the one that's regressed. They averaged low 27-point-per-game range in, in, in 15, and then this past year they were down to – I'm sorry, in 14 they averaged 27. 26 last year, high 24 uh, a year ago, 24.9. So it's been the offense, actually, that's been regressing. But, you know, w- when you look at the New England game, it was uh, – you know, Brady went out early. He attacked. He took what the defense gave him. For whatever reason, they played off the New England receivers. Uh, and that was a team with, you know, young players, Hargrave, you know, uh, you know, uh, Sean Davis, Artie Burns, you know, three rookies facing Brady for the first time. Le'Veon Bell gets injured. I think it was just a snowfall of things. And, yeah, the Steelers' defense couldn't get to Tom Brady. That's something that has to get addressed if they face him in the postseason next year. But I think the fans, you know, we're overreacting a little bit. You're, you're hearing it all offseason. Oh, they have to play more man. They have to play more man. 
you know, I think they – A, I think they did play man last year, but I also think that they maybe didn't have the players that, that could fit that personnel to play more man. I think when Cameron Sutton uh, excelled at, at man, and I think that Ross Cockrell is better than what people think. So I, I think that, that in terms of the Steelers' defense, I don't think fans should be worried at all. I think they're going to be the pleasant surprise of the 2017 season. I think that people are going to tune in to watch the Steelers' offense, but I think that the defense is going to shine. And I think that they're going to do a lot of good things. And I know people are mostly talking about the impact that T.J. Watt's going to make. But I think Keon Adams is going to do a great job. I thought he was a great late-round pick. And I think that Cameron Sutton, who some people think would have been a first-round pick if he would have come out a year earlier, had an injury last year at Tennessee, I think he is going to be the first Steeler that starts defensively in 2017. Anything that you want to add with regard to the Steelers' defense? Again, and I think this is a unit that – it's going to do a lot of good things, and I don't think there's really a weak part of this of this unit. One last thing before I hand it over to you. I, I will say this. I, I do think that, you know, uh, Mike Mitchell will have to continue to improve. Um, he's a good player. I don't think he was thought to be a savior when the Steelers went and got him in 2014 to be their new starting free safety, but he is someone that's going to have, you know, the arrows, Tom always says, the arrow has to continue to point up with him because they don't have much, they still don't have much depth behind him at free safety, and that'll be a position that, that uh, he'll, he's going to have to continue to improve. But, you know, what, what's your final two cents on the Steelers' defense here as we uh, get ready for training camp? Yeah, I, I I think you hit most of the key points there. Again, I mean, I don't think anybody would be crazy. If they're going to beat New England, which, you know, maybe they won't even have to, right? If, if you look back, a lot of times the things you think are going to are going to develop, don't. In the years that they've won the Super Bowls, they haven't had to play New England. I could even go back to the 79 season when San Diego had an offensive Steelers could handle and Hanley beat them in San Diego. I think it was 35-7 to 7 or it was a it was a blowout, avoiding having to play San Diego on their way to their fourth Super Bowl. Uh, so you don't really know how these things are going to play out. I do think you know, the Patriots' offense is at a different level than any other team in the league. Maybe Dallas, you, you could say, is close, but I don't really think anybody's really close to Brady other than what the Steelers themselves can do offensively. So um, I think if they – when they do play New England, they have to view it more as, a, as you know, a fight between two gunslingers and, and just figure out to go out there figuring they're going to have to outscore the other team. Uh, and and maybe the one thing you can do defensively in games like that that the Steelers could get better at is, you know, getting that occasional turnover because if you, even if you're not going to stop somebody all day, getting those turnovers, especially in games between two high-powered offenses, really can swing the, the pendulum in your favor. So having the ability to make some big plays sometimes is more important um, than – systematically thinking you can shut somebody down. If you can come up with a couple big plays, that can make the difference in a game like that. I would agree with that. And I, I think that, like you said, it, it just comes down to those little plays that the Steelers are going to have to make. And, and that's that's really it. And I think when people look at the final score in New England, people see that 18, 17 points, whatever it was, oh, that was a blowout. Not necessarily. The game was close in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, New England's secondary was a little handsy. Pittsburgh couldn't overcome those things. And uh, New England was able to capitalize. And that's the thing, you know, you have to play uh, really well above, above the shoulders to beat New England as well as, as, 
you know, doing everything that you got to do physically. You have to be healthy. And that obviously, I think we've kind of beaten a dead horse in terms of, I, I think with this team, it comes down to health. It comes down to health with this team and whether or not they can, you know, just not have off the field distractions and just focus on winning. I think the Steelers win 12 games around that neighborhood. And I think they're going to have a great season. So with that, let, let's, let's do some quick, uh, you know, quick pirates and penguin talk, uh, you know, Real quick, we'll talk pens first. Uh, it, it moves fast. Not like the NFL where everything kind of drags along. The NHL's already had their award shows. Penguins won nothing except for, you know, anything you had to vote on, they didn't win anything. Uh, they lost Flurry, which everybody knew. They brought in some new uh, new goaltenders. But, uh, you know, what do you think, what so far, what should Penn fans know about the team's transactions so far this offseason? Well, I think the thing that the – that's one of the strengths of the Penguins organization is they're willing to continue to turn the team over. I think a lot of teams in a situation where you've had success, the kind of success they had, there's this view that, well, we'll just try to keep everybody together and that will breed more success. And I think they found last year through injury, because they did pretty much come back with the same team, but then were forced to deal with all the injuries they had. And then this year through free agency decided that, you know, other teams were going to overpay for probably some of the Penguins' free agents. I think that happened with Bonino. I mean, credit to him. He was a great, great player here, but he wasn't going to be a second-line center. So he has that opportunity in Nashville, and he's getting paid that kind of money. Same thing with Daly. Um, You know, given his health and age, you know, three years, what Detroit offered him, I the, the Penguins weren't going to match that. The Kunitz deal, I think, is one that maybe some people could question and say, why didn't they bring him back for another year? But I, I also think when you look at his goal production, you know, he was great in the playoffs, especially that game seven against Tampa where he scores the game winner in overtime and has another goal. Um, but they're willing to turn their team over. They have a lot of, a lot of youth, not only guys that, played last year, but they got some guys coming up, Sprong, Ashton Reese, I think, is another guy who's you're going to hear from. Um, so they have a lot of depth in terms of forwards uh, that, that can come up. Uh, Rutherford did say he has to he's still looking for a center, but again, he's thinking more in the bigger picture. Um, they know that they can probably pick somebody up at some point in the year, even if they don't have they have guys that can play in those positions to start the season, if need be. And then they have the trade deadline, which, again, is a different dynamic that you don't have in football where you can really transform your team in hockey, um, which they did last year by bringing in, you know, Hainsey and Strait and, and, you know, really some of the defense that, that they needed to count on down the stretch. So I like – I think I like what they did. I think if you also look around, you know, the Capitals hung on, overpaid some guys, I believe. Oshie now, they signed the guy to, what, an eight-year contract. They've lost, they lost some key guys that they couldn't sign. Uh, the Rangers, I think, signed Shatterkirk, which anybody who saw the playoffs last year realized, while he's a great offensive power play specialist, there were times he was a defensive liability. So I don't really right. feel like the Rangers have done anything great. The Blue Jackets haven't signed anybody yet. Um, so, you know, I think if you look all across the league, the Blackhawks made some noise, but I think they're trying to go back and 
rebake a cake that, you know, was two years, two years later. I don't think that generally works. So I think that they have the right mindset. They turn the team over. They bring in some people who haven't won before, who have that hunger. And, uh, you know, I think fans should be uh, happy with uh, their chances of, you know, obviously trying to win three in a row. The odds are stacked against you. But so far, I think they've done the right things to give themselves the best chance possible to do that. Well, I think you nailed it. I, I think that the Penguins, um, they do a great job with turnover with their roster. And that just, you know, Rutherford, Jim Rutherford's done a great job. I mean, Lemieux giving him the assets to get the job done. And then Sullivan, you know, knowing the pieces that he wants to coach this team. And you, you saw it in 09 with, with Bill Guerin and, and just the, the blend of, of, of experienced veterans with young talent, the great goaltending. You know, obviously losing Fleury, I think, is going to hurt, but. You know, they brought in the old Blackhawks goaltender that was their starter uh, when they won the Cup in 2010. They signed, what, one year, 700000 So that's a very good deal. So, again, I think, you know, as they say in Philadelphia with their new coach over there, trust the Sixers, trust the process. I think Penguin fans trust the process. I think I think it's the proof in the pudding. They've won two Cups in the last two years, and not all of it, I think, is great talent. But as you alluded to, uh, it, it's, you know, rebuilding the roster year in and year out. And, again, the NHL, it just moves so fast. And if you're – the Penguins that play so late. I mean, less than a month later, you've got the expansion draft this year, and then all of a sudden, free agency. You know, they let some players go, as you said. They they let Daly go. Benino goes to Nashville. But I think, like you said, they've really focused on defense and, and focused on some enforcers. And uh, let's hope that that you know they had a good defense last year. Um, they didn't allow a goal. I think what the last two uh, you know Stanley Cup final games. But we'll see if it gets even better. Now we'll talk baseball to wrap things up again. This has been a really fun podcast. Uh, speaking with Carmen, my name is Brian. We hope that you've enjoyed it while you're growing out or laying by the pool doing whatever that you wanted it to do during the 4th of July leading up to the fireworks. Uh, let's talk Pirate Baseball. Andrew McCutcheon was the NL Player of the Month in June. That was announced earlier on Monday. He now has won that award five times, which is more than any Pittsburgh Pirate. Yes, more than Star, Joe Clemente, or Barry Bonds, which is pretty amazing. More amazing is the fact that people wanted to trade him this offseason and it almost went down. The Pirates are going to get Marte back uh, sometime maybe in the next two weeks, or I think two weeks is the deadline when they could get him back. He's already started uh, back in the minor league. He had his first assignment on Sunday, I think went 0 for 3. Uh, Pirates 37-45, not a good record, but it's amazingly there were only six out in the NL Central. They, they lost three in a row. They got four more with the Phillies. They play on Monday, and then they got three more in Chicago to close this thing out going into the All-Star break. The only All-Star they had was Josh Harrison. Uh, is it is it too late for the Pirates? Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? Should, should, should Pirate fans continue to, to hang on and follow this team, or, or should they cast their chips and just gear up for Steeler training camp? What should they do? Well, I mean, coming – I think just every time that you think maybe there's something good coming, like, okay, they take two out of – they took, a, you know, two out of three – against Colorado, they've been they've been pretty consistent winning series or splitting series. Um, then, um, you know, the one of the worst teams in the National League record-wise comes in, they're playing at home, and they lose three in a row. And Cole, again, emo- can't, you know, has this emotional breakdown where he can't, lets a few things um, that go bad feed into it creates a bad situation. Their bullpen, once again, can't do anything. They lose a the game on a wild pitch. 
you know, they lose a 2 nothing lead yesterday after Williams had, had done a good job. I mean, it's hard to continue to get any excitement around them. Um, I think the thing that's more concerning is just what their ownership may do here, right? I mean, I mean, I do think if you look below the surface a little bit, right, some of the young guys have pitched well, um, you know, they have the opportunity you know, to get better. Like you said, Marte's coming back. I, I think he can play in the 18. But, you know, you just have the sense they're about, they're on the, they're right about to make another bad deal and probably doing something at the deadline. And especially uh, given where they are, you know, they, not only when they give away people, they they get rid of somebody. They never seem to get anything good in return, right? So, so unlike the Penguins or other teams that we've been talking about, they they do a very poor job, um, like in the past with some of the talent that they did have. So, you know, personally, if I were the Pirates, I would I would hold with the team. I would I would go into next year with McCutcheon Sal. I mean, they have the option. I would take it. Um, and see what happens, but I don't think anybody trusts that the Pirates management's going to do the right thing in terms of the franchise, and I think that just kind of leads into this feeling of why should I invest that much of my uh, bandwidth into supporting this team. Their attendance is down substantially, and, and when compared to the other two organizations in town, it's just night and day how they're run. So, I don't know. It'll be an interesting to see how this plays out over the next few weeks going into the trading deadline, but this last weekend certainly threw a, threw a damper on any excitement that they had because even if they just went two out of three, they're seeing their four games behind. If they sweep the Giants, you know, they, they haven't been able to just get on a roll, and, and, and you have to believe the Cubs at some point are going to wake up and you know, get on, start to play a little better. So, you know, eight games under 500 is a bad record, right? Yeah, maybe you're only six games out, but they're not a very good team right now, and it's hard to be that optimistic because they just haven't shown the ability to put anything together uh, on a consistent nature. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I, I saw a quote from their GM, I think, earlier to, you know, earlier on Monday, and it was like, you know, this team wasn't built to – be without, you know, Wong Kang or however you pronounce his name and, and Marte, you know, but regardless, I mean, the, the well, that, 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 did you ever hear, did you ever hear the Penguins say that, right? Did no, you hear the Penguins exactly. say, well, we're not built to, to win without Latang or we're not built to win without, you know, all the other injuries that they had during the year. I mean, I just think this, this, that just shows you this management looks for excuses while the Penguins management looks for solutions, right? And, and the Steelers and management, next because, man up, you know. Right. So it's, that just makes it disappointing. I think that just shows, makes it disappointing. Um, well, right, know, and, 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 and it's sad when one year. You know, yeah, yeah two years ago, this this team won the most, this team was what, the uh, they won the award for the best run franchise in baseball, right? Well, I mean, the team has has done well in some of the scouting and, and bringing up some talent and making it available. But the thing they have not done is help themselves 
you know, with some deals and some things to get over the hump, right? The teams that could have maybe were one player away, you know, from trying to win a World Series, they weren't willing to make a deal at that point with some of the talent to secure that and, and, and win a championship. And that's been the knock against them, and I think that continues. So, yeah, I mean, it was great that they won 98 games, and it was great that they had three years in the playoffs. But in the end, at the end of all that, they still only had one one win, you know, one postseason, uh, if you even call it wild a card series win, yeah. a wild card victory, right, and then taking the Cardinals to five games in the series after that. So, you know, that's it's been a long time since 1979, and uh, I don't know. You know, I just think – they, when the opportunity presents themselves, when you're a small market team, you got to go all in, and the Penguin and the Pirates just don't seem to be willing to do that or know how to do that. And I think that's what's been disappointing about them. Right. I think you nailed, or I think you know, you nailed that. And I think you know, the, the sad thing is when there's a lack of confidence in, in in front office, which they there might be a little with the Steelers. I don't think much. And I think with. Uh, I think it's actually maybe more coaching than management because I don't think you can question the talent on the field for the Steelers. Like I know they went through some transitions with the defense, but you're gonna. I think that's almost inevitable. Uh, now, obviously, New England really hasn't, but most teams kind of inevitable. You know, you're gonna have that when you had a great defense like Pittsburgh. It, it, there will be a little bit of a of a of a de- de- decline for a little bit, but uh, then obviously the Penguins, there's none. There's absolutely none. <laughs> but you know, with uh, well, at least recently, the last couple of years, but. You know, with the Pirates, there is, and I think that's – it's not that people don't want to support the players. People love Kutch. People love Josh Harrison. It doesn't also help with, with, with Kang. It doesn't help with Marte. Those things don't help, but I agree with you. I mean, this little swoon they had at the end of the All-Star break, before the All-Star break, it puts a lot of importance on the next seven games. Now you're away Now you're away from Pittsburgh. You had a chance to, to do something at home, really get yourself closer to the Brewers, who I think are going to falter, and I agree. I think the Cubs are eventually going to wake up now. You know, you've made the next seven games. You know, I don't want to say must wins, but they got to they got to win four out of seven. I would think, right? I mean, and this will kind of be our last topic here on the on the Independence Day podcast. I mean, you would think, right? I, I, they can't afford to be any further back than eight going into the All Star break and have any chance in the second half. Well, right. I mean, it's just hard. There's just so too many holes, right? In that, even when they get, I mean, two of the three games they had very good starting pitching. And they didn't win. And then the other game, Cole fell apart. And, and you know, Cole's been just a giant disappointment. I mean, I mean, the guy is just um, not produced in any way that they thought he would uh, up until this point. So, um, yeah, I, I guess we'll see what happens. But um, I'm not holding my breath, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of a Cavaliers fan. That's kind of how it's felt the last two game fives in the finals. You're down three one. You just sit there and say, "All right, let's just watch and see what happens." It kind of guarded optimism, and that's kind of how it's been with the Pirates. But you know, we'll see. I'm glad McCutcheon's on the team. Uh, you know, sometimes you just cheer for individuals. That's kind of how it's been for me recently. Just kind of cheering for McCutcheon, and, and maybe we'll see with Josh Harrison if he can have a cool little highlight during the All-Star game. So uh, thank you, Carmen. It was short notice. We, we, again, appreciate you joining the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And, uh, hey, less than a month ago before the start of Steelers training camp, I know all of you out there are just as excited as we are. And, hey, maybe the Pirates can 
can surprise us, and, and then they can go on a little winning streak here before they break for the All-Star break. So, again, for Carmen, this is Brian signing off. And, as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.